Dan Trevor, Mike Blewett back here on Fantasy Sports Day and very happy to be joined on the phone by Emery Hunt. You can find him on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. He is down in Alabama at the Senior Bowl. Emery, how you doing this morning? I'm doing fine, man. As always, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. Absolutely. Pleasure to have you here. If you could, uh, I we'll get into specific players, but can you give everyone a quick synopsis of what Senior Bowl week is, what you're looking at, what scouts are looking at, just sort of how the whole thing comes together? Well, Senior Bowl is, is where you get a, a nice compilation of, of talent from across the college football landscape. Uh, they go through three practices in front of NFL scouts. Every NFL team is here. A lot of personnel decision makers are here. Coaches are here. I saw Pat Shermer as well and, and many other coaches. John Gruden obviously is coaching the game, but there are some other coaches that are here, head coaches. So everyone is getting a look at these players. And it's always good to see from my perspective, because I do broadcasting through the season, I don't get a chance to, to watch a lot of college football during the year. So this starts my uh, film grind, my film study. So I get a, I come in with a clean slate and get a good initial take about these guys before I dive into their film. So, Emery, how was Ruth Chris last night, buddy? I know you got a senior <laughs> bowl tradition. <laughs> how was fantastic. Fantastic, yeah, it was. man. You talk about like the, 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 uh, the, just the flavor of the meat, and I love my Ruth Chris, man. I'm glad I was able to eat it and get up late today so I could sleep in and sleep that off. Good stuff. Good stuff. So uh, I know the game's uh, later today, so you're going to be in, in attendance. Uh, and Emery and I have worked together in the past on draft coverage. You'll see more from him, hear more from him uh, throughout uh, throughout this sort of transitional season after the Super Bowl from him and me and, and a lot of us here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. So, um, look, there's always the guys that you're looking for. Let's start with the guys that we, we had expectations from. So guys like Drew Locke, uh, Debo Samuel, those types of players. Who amongst the elite prospects, and I'll put that in quotes, stood out to have a good week this week? I would say number one would be Debo Samuel. And when you look at what he's been able to do, a lot of it, it reminds me a lot of what Braxton Miller did down here where he just constantly wild each and every day uh, with his route running and his ability to make the guy miss and be elusive. The, the difference is that Debo Samuel is actually a, a legit receiver. So he was doing a lot of the same things Braxton Miller was doing from a route running perspective, but he was also catching the football, making spectacular catches. I think he, he has the... Jarvis Landry, like, suddenness in this game is going to make him a problem at the next level. He's a big guy, too, so he can catch football and break tackles and turn into, a, you know, a big play threat once he gets the ball in his hands. What do we got from a uh, under-the-radar player? Who's a guy that maybe caught your eye that you weren't expecting to have had a good week or, or somebody who stepped up here and, and increased their draft stock heading towards the spring? I would say it's a guy that, that I knew about. Uh, I wrote about him, I want to say, two years ago. and But he had, a, he had a really good week, and that's Penny Hart. And when you look at him from Georgia State, a, a lot of what you heard this week was, oh, he looks like Taylor Gabriel. And he was a, he was a fantastic player this, this week throughout the practices. He kind of stole Andy Isabella's shine coming in. Though he was a guy that everybody was talking about. He's going to do a great job out here in the Senior Bowl. And Penny Hart stole that on day one and, and took it and ran with it. So I thought he did well and also thought Keelan Doss out of UC Davis did exceptionally well also. He had one of those quiet, consistent weeks out here. He's a big receiver, 6'3-209. So when you see him, that's a guy that, that is going to probably go in the later rounds but end up being a significant contributor on, on a football team because of how well he plays the position. 
It's funny, guys like Andy Isabella just get, uh, because of the style of receiver that he is, just a smallish guy, but sure-handed, and you could see him being a Edelman-esque or Welker-esque chain mover. People are starting to gravitate towards those guys being bigger prospects than they've been in the past because physically he isn't that impressive, but he's quick and he could catch. And with the current set of rules in the NFL, Emery, these guys are becoming bigger prospects than they were in the past, correct? Absolutely. And because you look at how these offenses open up, you look at, let's say, another guy that was supposed to be in this game that uh, decided not to participate, and that's Paris Campbell out of Ohio State. He's a bigger slot receiver. And you can just envision him, Andy Isabella, Penny Hart. Just let's say, for instance, using the Saints as an example, put one of those guys in that Saints offense to really just – yeah, they will have a field day. So, yes, that is now a premier position in the NFL. It's uh, a situation here where offensive line, typically at all-star games, isn't something you hone in on. You, you want to see the, the skill positions. You want to see the guys who are going to flash the, the skill set. But I've read a couple of different write-ups that said the uh, the North squad had a very good day on Thursday, uh, and that really opened some things up for Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame at, at running back. Are there any offensive linemen who you think are, are standing out above the fray and could be uh, first-round standouts when the NFL draft runs around? I tell you right now, man, this is a really good crop of offensive linemen, and that report is accurate. When you look at the North Squad, you have a guy like um, Boston College's Chris Lindstrom, who has been phenomenal all week. Alabama has a really good lineman on on the South team that's that's, that's doing well, and that's uh, Ross Pierce-Bacher, who was a, a wall, an impenetrable wall throughout the week. But on back on the North Squad, you got Dalton uh, Reisner from Kansas State. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, I thought, did well from, from NC State. So, some really good offensive linemen, and whoever needs linemen help, whether it be outside or interior offensive line, there's a ton of prospects. Uh, Titus Tower from Alabama State was the, the small school guy coming in that also turned a lot of heads. Dan, you notice how Emery placated me by dropping a BC prospect in there. He knew he, he knew he had. He knows where his bread is buttered. You know, Lindstrom is actually he was dominant for years at BC, and it's obviously a position that uh, has placed pretty well uh, for that school in the NFL. But well done, Emery. So, look, the quarterback thing is always going to be important. Uh, I think on the whole, people understand that the top end talent at the quarterback position may not be what it was last year. But people are encouraged by the depth at the quarterback position. So you have guys like, despite the fact that Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray aren't down there, Drew Locke is there, Will Greer is there, Daniel Jones is there. And I'm reading a little bit about uh, this Buffalo quarterback, Tyree Jackson, who was 5'9 as a freshman and grew to 6'7. Pretty crazy uh, that he's now in the mix and being evaluated. He's almost too tall for some NFL evaluators. But give me a sense of how this quarterback class has at least this portion of the quarterback class has rounded out this week. You know, it's interesting. I'm glad you, you laid it out that way because, I, again, I come in with a clean slate. I just want to see these guys and, and formulate an initial viewing or take from these players. And if I had to rank them in that order, it would be Tyree Jackson had the best week. He was the most consistent. Um, Drew Locke was second. And then everyone else kind of had their, their moments of practice. So I thought it was Jackson and Locke that really stood out and everyone else kind of fit in, uh, so to speak, and had certain parts of practice where he did well. But Jackson is an interesting story because I like how he prepared for this week. He came in and told guys at the media day, he was like, listen, um, my process is going to look slow because I, I'm working with Jordan Palmer. He's my quarterback coach, and 
So we're working on making sure I'm, I'm deliberate with my lower body mechanics. So if my process looks slow, uh, as far as me throwing the football, don't don't overly critique because I'm I'm doing that on purpose because I'm working through some things. And he did that because that was supposed to help him with his short to intermediate accuracy where he, where there are some questions, especially in the short area. We know he's the best deep ball thrower in, in, in the draft, but in the short area, he you know he has to work on touch and placement. And I thought he did that this week because of what he was doing with his lower body mechanics. Uh, so it, do you buy into the fact that? Drew Locke is going to impress, and Daniel Jones is too, because of their ability to be good on the whiteboard. Drew Locke has apparently a really good recall of schemes, and he can read that very well. Daniel Jones, I know some people down at Duke who think, who cut. Cutcliffe thinks the world of Daniel Jones, thinks he's a very smart player and a starter in the NFL. Do you buy that book on those two guys in particular, even if they didn't display all of it this week? I, you know, that that's always something that, that factors in, and that's, it's funny how all that stuff that you don't really see is what people use to separate certain quarterbacks. But if you judge it strictly on what they'll be actually doing, like playing the game, then <laughs> – Daniel Jones shouldn't be in a conversation with Drew Locke and uh, and also Tyree Jackson. But that you know what? With all that said, that's why I like staying for the game because, to be honest, some guys are better practice players than others. Some guys are better when the game is is live because in their mind they can't you can't fake live action. So we saw this last year with Marcus Davenport of UT San Antonio, who was kind of average throughout the week after being built up to be this superhuman freak. And, you know, he really looked average throughout the week of practices, but he blew up in the game. I had two sacks, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, and had a touchdown. So that right there is something that that you you look at. You kind of have to take what you see throughout the week with a grain of salt. So let's hope a guy like Daniel Jones, who looked good in the bowl game, can come in and play well to where he can erase what people saw throughout the week. But to me, I would say Daniel Jones has to have a big game Will Greer has to have a big game uh, because of what they showed during the week. Kind of left a lot of people scratching their heads on them as, as premier prospects. Talking to Emery Hunt at F-Ball Game Plan over there on Twitter. Uh, follow him. Uh, tons of great knowledge over there and uh, writing. And as Mike said, uh, hopefully hear a ton more from him as we head up to uh, the NFL draft this year on FNTSY. Now, Emery, I, you started touching on a topic there that I think is really intriguing. How do evaluators you talk to, uh, head coaches, scouts from the NFL, uh, balance that? Balance the what they see, you know, during practice, during the combine esque sort of run through of drills and the game itself. Do they have an evaluation metric? Do they have an algorithm? Like, what what do you hear from them that they take from each set and what they're looking for? You never really compare what they're looking for because if it was based on the game, Lamar Jackson would have went number one overall. So. It, it, you know, if it's always about something else. It's always about watching, uh, you know, trying to make something make sense. But at the end of the day, it's just football. And if you're doing it, you're doing it. We, you know, we used to talk about this all the time on a show. What blew it is like, you know, size is not a skill. If, that, if I had my team, uh, Tariq Corn would have been a first-round pick because every time I look up, he's putting the ball in the end zone from far away. So when you look at how these guys evaluate, some people really put an emphasis on – um, a handshake. Some people put an emphasis on how they sound when they're, you know, uh, at the line of scrimmage with their cadence. I just want the guy that can play football, you know. So 
and when you look at how some teams draft, just opposed to how other teams draft, it's clearly evident that some teams have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> uh, how about this from pass rushers? I'm reading that it's three guys from schools that you wouldn't normally think would jump into the first round, but we saw this from Marcus Davenport last year at a UTSA. So Mississippi State's Montez Sweat, Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech, and Oshani Zimenez from Old Dominion are creeping their way into the first round. People are seeing these guys as first-round pass rushers. Is that accurate in your mind? It can be because you know how it is when the draft comes, there's going to be a run-off position, but all yeah. three of those guys are really good football players. And, and I would rank them in that order that you did. I thought Montez, well, you guys should remember this. We're, we're about the same age. The movie The Last Dragon, when Bruce Leroy got the yeah. blow, that's what Montez <laughs> all whole week long. And <laughs> and Ferguson is a big guy, and I think people don't give Ferguson enough credit for his his uh, finesse. Because when you watch him play, he's an old school DN. He's going he's to beat you up the line of scrimmage. He's going to stop the run. But we saw during one-on-one periods that he has a little bit of finesse with him as far as finding different ways to get to the quarterback. So he's going to be a really good pass rusher. And Jimenez is, is another one that everyone talks about leading up to this week, but now you're starting to see it pay off. I want to say Thursday practice, he really stood out both in one-on-one and in team drills. So, yes, all three guys, especially if they start that run on defensive edge rushes at the top of the draft, as it's probably expected to be, um, then you're going to see guys get pushed up, just like quarterbacks get pushed up into the first round. Emery, I'm wondering what uh, the vibe is around there about uh, John Gruden. I I, I mainly just want to hear... Any stories, anything that's come from being down there, simply because we all saw what happened at the beginning of the year. We saw how the Raiders struggled, but he is such a charismatic and funny and straightforward talker when it comes to everything. Have you had any interactions or have you heard anything, uh, stories you can pass along about somebody who obviously NFL fans uh, appreciate at least for the sound bites he gives us each and every week? I'll tell you this, though. They were also at uh, Rue Chris last night with me, so um, <laughs> seeing, them, seeing them interact amongst each other is pretty cool. And, and you can tell John Gruden is a genuine guy. So is Mike Mayock, genuine, nice guy, um, really cares about their craft. And well, he went to B.C., Emery. Mayock went to B.C. Well, exactly. He's obviously well, a great guy. I forgot that. That's the second thing <laughs> that I got for you in this, in this uh, segment. <laughs> you know, so when you look at um, Gruden at practice, and I, I think – during media day, he kind of was more deliberate and pronouncing what he was, what he wanted to say. Um, he sounded a lot better today, or I'm sorry, on media day than he did at the combine. Um, so that shows like the year of football has, got, you know, gave him some perspective, and now he's more focused on what he really has to do to move this organization forward. That's a good point. I, I think he did find himself in hot water with certain comments that he made. It's tough going from. I would imagine it's a tough transition. First of all, he's out of locker rooms for for the most part for ten years, and now he he found himself answering questions, and he couldn't be as entertaining, just pure entertainment, as he wanted to be. He had to be focused on what was good for the Raiders, and he got in hot water by talking about well, uh, pass rushers are hard to get when he had just traded the best one in the league, and talking about other items that made him look foolish so maybe it'll help him in his second year one last guy uh i want to ask you about uh ohio state wide receiver terry mclaurin was the best receiver on the north team according to one afc scout is he a guy that to watch 
Yeah, absolutely, and he, and that scout is right. When you look at McLaurin, you, you're like, wow, what was this all year? But he scored 11 touchdowns. He's been there all year. I think people just kind of looked at the other receivers and kind of forgot yeah. about him, and he kind of made them pay each and every day in one-on-ones. He, I don't think he dropped the ball all week. Emery, before we close out this segment, anybody who uh, see their stock drop here at the Senior Bowl? And I wouldn't say stock drop. I would say it probably made people go back and look at the film. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people are doing that, unfortunately, with Andy Isabella. Don't forget all the receptions he had, all the yards he had, all the touchdowns he had. Don't let this week of practice deter you from a guy that's going to be a, a terror on, on Sundays in the NFL. Emery Hunt, thanks so much for the time. You can find him at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, and you should hear from him more on FNTSY. Thanks so much, Emery. Appreciate you guys. All right. Talk to you soon, E. Thanks, man. Amazing content there uh, from Emery. More to come from him. And, uh, again, follow him over on Twitter. Uh, Check out all of his content. Great stuff. Great guests. Look forward to talking to him again in the future. We have one more segment to go before I skedaddle and George Kurt slides into the chair here on Fantasy Sports Today. Dan Straffer, Mike Blewett coming back with more on the other side of this break. Thanks so much for listening to Fantasy Sports Radio Network.